Let me know when we're actually on the show. All right. Okay. Here we here we go. Let me try this uh, this new device I have here. Let, let's. Uh -oh. Whoa, that's. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's Tim Benall in the background there. I will hook him into the audio system after I try this new cool thing that I found. Oh, by the way, it's Roddy Mysterioso, and uh, here's uh, this thing. Let's see if it works. It's not working. Perfect. Oh, because I didn't fade it in. <laughs> now, now this will be cool. for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friends, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us Let reward, reward the innocent. My friend, my friend, my friend, my friend. Can your heart stand the shocking fact, shocking fact about... Radio Tim Benall. Let me fade this down so that uh, we can get Tim on there without a uh, loud, horrible noise. After that other, other loud, horrible mistake I made. I, can you hear me there, Tim? I like it, yeah. This is the beginning of your DJ career, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got something for the um, iPad called DJ. <laughs> Strangely enough, it's called DJ. And um, it's a lot easier for me to mix... Um, Oh, I'm not recording the show. That's not smart. Uh-oh. It's a lot easier for me to mix audio back and forth. Oh, well, I can I can add it together with this one. No worries. Yeah. Uh, it all, it was all, just make sure it's not like a lost episode here. No, no. <laughs> like somebody will look back on this and be like, remember that show we taped? I mean, we didn't tape. <laughs> okay. Record. Are we on now? To yes. The, to, the, to the millions? Yes. What's going on, Radio Mysteriosos? Happy uh, New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. Today is uh, the first of the year of, of death and destruction and horribleness and scariness, uh, if you're Mayan. Other than that, you're cool, I guess. Uh, it's Tim yeah. Benal here from uh, Benal of America Radio and Benal of America America uh, uh, show um, site. Um, probably one of the most extensive, informative, and fun um, paranormal media sites out there. If not the, hello Tim, can you hear me? What's going on over there? I don't know, aliens. Uh, <clears throat> hello. I don't know. Therefore, aliens. Can you not hear me? 
Great. He can't hear me now. Tim, are you there? I'm here. Are you there, though? Wow. Live radio, folks. Stay tuned. Not, hey, could anything could happen. Well, I, I could edit it out. Can you hear me okay? Uh, can you hear me at all, Tim? No, I can hear you now. I can hear you now. <laughs> oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Um, we aren't going to do any kind of year in review. Maybe we'll do a year in preview. Uh that's what Tim suggested when we were talking before. I was really lazy, and Tim is such a cool guy, and I've known him for a long time, and he doesn't care that I don't prepare properly. But I don't usually with people that I know because I know that cool stuff is going to come up and we're just going to talk. Like normal, um, the first thing that I uh, that comes to mind that I was mentioning earlier to Tim, well, you know what, It's I, I'm interviewing you, so what... What 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 would you like to talk? I was going to talk about that um, what is it, that, that NSA thing that I mentioned to you. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm forgetting what that story was now. What called oh, the? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. The uh, in March I, the, or April, the, the yeah, puzzle and, and thing. Yeah, yeah. The uh, NSA released some files, like the FBI did on UFOs and and famous people, because they were tired of people making these requests, so they should make them available online. And one of them from the NSA was. Um, uh, concerning the extraterrestrial messages and how to decode them, and um, I read this, then I downloaded the the, the thing, the uh, the PDF that the NSA had put up there, and it says uh, what the text of it basically said. There's an author's name there; it's kind of a French-sounding name, not Valet, uh, saying um, <laughs> here, you know, these are some some alien messages has been have been received over the past few months, and. We've made a stab at decoding now. If you assign one letter to each um, pulse, and then it, it, get, it got very, very complicated, like somebody who would do it was doing cryptography, like the NSA does, would know how to do. And uh, there was a note that went along with it that said, maybe you can figure this out and see what you can do with this problem. And I read that, and I thought, wait a second, this is an exercise for people that are doing code breaking and stuff. And uh, lo and behold, I find out... Um, uh, what's the name of the site? I told you, Tim, on the Open Minds said, hey, actually, this is uh, an exercise. It has nothing to do with alien you know, messages coming in. And people, I believe, are still all excited about this. And you wonder why when we do these year-end review shows that uh, people like Tim or Nick or I go, uh, we don't care. Yeah, exactly. I mean, come on. It's, a, it's just, uh, it was another fiasco year for ufology. <laughs> yeah, another, what, what uh, else was a know, fiasco? Yet another uh, spin on the hamster wheel. What, so, well, what, do you, what would you place at the top of that hit parade? For UFOs? Yeah, for the for the uh, hamster wheel. The hamster wheel hit parade of ufology. So, like, the best, the best thing that happened, I thought? Well, this, well let's, let's say the stupidest thing first, uh, and setting the NSA thing aside, and the, the furor and excitement over that. Uh... Well, the stupidest thing, just sort of the overall general, like, I saw top ten, like, type things for UFO stories, and they were all just, like, the same stories that come up, like, sort of every year. Like, old documents surface, uh, the U.K. releases documents, you know, bizarre sighting in a foreign country. It was like, you could almost, you know, yeah, you can just hit them point by point. I mean, that was probably the, stu- the overall st- stupidest thing. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like the, the, the top stories haven't changed at all, so... You know, going on now like three or four or five years, I think. You know, since the Stephenville year. That was probably the year that, you know, a lot of good shit kind of happened. 
Well, I guess kind of, but the thing, even about Stephenville, I I almost wrote something uh, called "Why I Don't Care About the Stephenville Sightings," because yeah, I just mean that year in general. I mean Stephenville's yeah, you know. I think so the I only think good thing about that was it made more people aware and interested, I guess, in the phenomenon. Um, right. And, and apart from that, it just you know, I don't know what you think. Maybe you could tell me, but it wasn't really I mean, it was a bunch of people seeing a bunch of phoenix lights all over again exeter all over again um uh, mexico city all over again what what do you do with it you know right exactly exactly but it serves a purpose to uh to raise awareness you know yeah it's like it's like the aliens are fighting for us or whatever the you know please don't jump on me folks whatever's behind the ufos you know <laughs> <these> aliens <laughs> you know i don't want to get into per- per- <laughs> protracted debate over the origins of the people behind it yeah uh you know it's like they're on our side though you know so they every now and then they're like uh they they need a little help they need a little push to like get more people interested so i think we're in store for a good year though i think in general why why do you think that excited about the new year why why do you think that are you like psychic or just because it couldn't get any worse or i've actually now that i say that i have mixed feelings but i but I feel like, oh, oh! before we jump to that, the best story I thought was, I emailed back to you. We'll talk about it on, on the year interview thing on my show. But it was like the the weird story about NASA. They had, like, footage of, like, orbs, like, messing around around, like, a shuttle or something. And they're like, yeah. they're like, yeah, we don't know what those are. But they've been, you know, they've been doing that for years. And it was like, what the fuck, man? There's, that's disclosure, folks. Like, what more do you want? Like, like they're not, that's kind of how it's going to happen. Slowly, but. Surely. Then later on down the line, they'll be like, we told you about the orbs. We told you people about that. Weren't you paying attention? Back in 2011, it was on the news. We don't know what orbs are. Yeah, so. that's that's fine, because um, yeah, it, that's exactly what um, uh, Grant Cameron said when I had him on. He goes, well, there's already been disclosure about stuff. It's just that nobody cares. Right, right. It's like a slow but sure sort of thing. Yeah, but obviously we need like a big break. Yeah. Now I what are they disclosing? That they're unknowns. Everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. We need like like a like a you know, an honest assessment of this. Well, you know, analysis. right. To That's their the to their credit. Documents and shit. Right. To their credit, I mean if if the, the the government discloses, yeah, well there's unknown stuff. I would say, yeah, well everybody knows that. But the only step would be that they're admitting that there's unknown stuff, which I suppose is a pretty pretty decent step. I don't know if right. that's going to happen. I get maybe it sort of did with the NASA thing. In a sense, I think. I mean, I'm not. You know, I, I don't. Th- you know, it didn't change the world or anything. But I felt like it was completely overlooked by a lot of people. You know, it just sort of came and went. And it's like, oh, I think we should put more thought into this thing because it's interesting that they would say that. Well, what do you, you think know? would be they important then? What would an important what, what in your idea? What would an important development be for for the for for the public awareness of uh, UFOs? Some kind of like good sighting, you know, that doesn't happen in the backwaters of Texas. Even though Stephenville's probably ha- probably a bigger town than the one I live in, but you know what I mean. Yeah, a sighting that takes place in a in a town or a city that people have heard about before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, even if it's like the third biggest city in Ohio, I don't know, Cleveland or whatever, yeah, Cincinnati. Well, yeah, you know? pr- pr- protracted sighting of something that's absolutely not uh, something that we know about. And right. if it is it something that we in know like Kansas City, where yeah. like a shitload of people see it, and, you know, the police see it, and this is too much. This is, it's kind of like the old, how those old cases like of uh, 
the RB47 case and, you know, some of the, I think the Iranian one too, where it's like you got like a multitude of different sort of angles on the, on the object, where it's like ground and air radar and yeah. air and ground witnesses. It's like, we need like one, a good one of those in America. Yeah. Trained, non-crazy, uh, un, unemotionally attached witnesses. Like, I, I was talking with my dad about this and he's, you know, he, he's very skeptical about it. He's a scientist. I mean, that's, he was born in the, the the 30s and he grew up during the World War II and the Korean War he was in the Korean War and he's he's a he's a trained scientist so he's like ah, I don't know I don't think any you know he's he's trying to be nice because you know I'm related to him I'm his son but he <laughs> he said that it doesn't ever seem to amount to anything it doesn't come from any it's not specific and it uh, you know things are open to interpretation I said well and I recounted the IRB 47 thing to him and he changed the subject Right, right. And I'm not saying he did that to be rude or mean, or he did even did no, it consciously. Just, he's not. Just one, he's like, all right, you know. Like maybe he. It's like he gave him something to think about. It's like, yeah, maybe. And he's know. he's not obstinate. I mean, if I gave him a, 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 I don't really care if I make him believe what I do or anything like that. But you know, maybe I'll send him a very short synopsis of the RB47 and see what he thinks. Exactly. You know. But yeah, so that's what I think would be the you know the breakthrough hopefully or a very good step let's say you know? well what do you think and this is the idea that I was, i've kind of walked with for a long time is is the democratic uh revelation thing the whitley streber thing the bottom-up thing where it comes from individual awareness maybe coming from a phenomenon itself or whatever but if, you know something external to the power structure that kind of reveal it's reveals itself slowly to to many people you think that's a possibility, right. or? Yeah, I think that I've been kind of saying the same thing, but a different way by saying that it's sort of a generational thing too. Where it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, you talk about your dad and stuff, and I don't have any kids, and you don't have any kids, but I'm sure if we had kids, they'd fucking be totally on board with UFOs. They'd be like the exact opposite. Well, if they, and it's not if, just because they're kids and they're like dumb. Because yeah. let's face it, most kids are dumb. But, right. You know, it's like, unless they you know, hated actually, us, then they it, wouldn't it, be. It's not an impossibility, though. Unless they hated us personally, then they wouldn't be on board. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, just as a reaction. <laughs> I mean, you're 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 duty bound to disagree with your parents on most things. I mean, otherwise you're that's not worth a, you're not worth a shit as a person unless you hate or disagree or both with your parents at some point. Right? You'd be like our kids' friends. Yeah, they think we were cool. It's always like that. <laughs> yeah, that would make them feel even worse. So yeah. <laughs> Like, why can't you bring that kid around who actually, like, fucking believes in UFOs? He at least <laughs> treats me with respect. <laughs> and it's funny, because I'm sure you have, and I recently have been getting messages from people. They're like, you know, why are you so skeptical and why are you so horrible about this? And I thought, you you know, it's like, I, 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 I'm not. Right. Well, I'm, you know, I'm not against it. I'm just, I'm trying to be truly skeptical where I say, well, I... There isn't really any verifiable proof, at least to the greater portion of the population, you know, and especially to the people that tell us what to believe, which right, is a whole right. other kettle of fish. Well, it's like, you know, from my perspective, it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not driving any kind of agenda here, and I'm not driving, like, any kind of belief. I'm sort of driving at, like, trying to figure it out. And, yeah. like, I think, I think the... You know, I think the the cat calls come from people who are are driving the belief and driving in an agenda. Where it's like, you know, why can't you get on board with us fighting the White House? It's like because you're a fucking idiot, man. Because you're an idiot. 
Like, that's why I can't get on board. <laughs> you know? Like, the plan is terrible. Yeah, or it's somebody connected work. with it is terrible. Why don't you get on board with Stephen Greer in Disclosure? <laughs> because most people laugh at him openly. That's why. It's just, you know, it's sad. <laughs> but, I kn- like I said, though, I'm feeling, I'm excited about the new year. I'm excited about 2012. I feel like, I feel like there's a lot, a lot of moving parts, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, it's like, it's like the, the, the genre of 2012, and there's the year 2012, and they finally come together, and it's like, by this time next year, hopefully, we'll be saying goodbye to, to obviously, the year 2012 and the genre of 2012, which I think is exciting. Yeah. Like, like 2012 is going to be, like, the whole, you know, cottage industry of 2012 is going to die unless something happens, which I think is, like, I'm giving it 90% here on the 1st of January, that nothing happens. 90% that nothing happens. Oh really? I'm giving it 99 percent that nothing happens, and that one. I considered that. Yeah. I, I considered 99, but there's like five percent of that is me wishing something happens. Right, right. And the other five percent is just probably like you know, fear, <laughs> <laughs> fear of being wrong, and fear of of something actually happening. Like, don't you? You better not like completely. You know, close this out because something terrible could happen. Well, yeah, well, of course something terrible could happen, and I bet it would be something that has nothing to do with the prophecy, anything. Right, oh, I right, guess people right. could connect it, but there's the other idea that it me- that it's just kind of like an age of Aquarius thing, where things change in a in a you know that's the node of the change where things start being different at that point, maybe almost in a subtle way. That I can almost be on board with, um, maybe. That's the 1%. Yeah. No, no, th- that's half of the 1%. The other half of the 1% is death and destruction and end of the world, like the, the, the people want to believe that are into being scared. Right, right. Plus, there's also sort of like, for part of me, part of my 10%, it's like the, you know, the bottleneck aspect and the journal, you know, cheer for the story part of it. It's like the uh, Patton Oswalt bit, you know. It's like, if I'm going to die, dude, let's do it in the apocalypse. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I don't want to get hit by a bus. I want to get killed by an asteroid that hits the Earth and kills, like, <laughs> you know, like 95% of the population. At least we're all up. It's like an overnight, you know, all of a sudden we all wake up and we're like, oh, dude, an asteroid hit the Earth, man. We're all fucking dead. Yeah. Like, there's like, there's, there's like only, like, you know, half a million people left down there. And all, all so. the, all the uh, storm clouds formed into Avril Lavigne's face and whatever else Pat, well, Patton Oswalt said. <laughs> So, I, but this is a part of what I'm excited about, too, though, is, like, uh, I feel, and, and this, I think this might resonate with you, because, you know, you've talked about the UFO phenomenon being this, like, thought exercise. Yeah. And what I think is interesting about 2012 and all the genre, not the year, the year is, like, arbitrary, the whole yeah. idea of 2012, is that once it dies, uh, there's going to be, like, this thought vacuum in a way, and something will have to fill that thought vacuum. What vacuum? With a thought vacuum. Oh, thought. Okay. Yeah. Like all this time and effort and speculation from, you know, experts, I use that term loosely, and, and uh-huh. just the main, everyday people in general. Everybody has an opinion on it, you know, and that, you know, there'll be a thought vacuum. Where that leads, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, you know, I always think it's like um, when there's predictions like this, I think back to the um, the When Prophecy Fails book. 
Have you heard? No, I don't know that. No. There's Sounds a book that was written in the 1950s called When Prophecy Fails. What it was was a group of um, psychology majors from the University of Wisconsin, I believe, uh, latched on to this like UFO end of the world group in, I believe, in Chicago or Milwaukee. I'm not sure. Um, they, they were around this woman whose pseudonym was Mrs. Keach. That's not important. But um, they said the world was going to end. So they all, you know, sold all their stuff, went out and waited on a mountain at the end of the, you know, at the, uh, at the appointed time. And, of course, nothing happened. So then they, they um, recorded you know, uh, reactions from the group. And some of them left and some of them were, you know, disillusioned. They said a significant portion of them, they and I put this in Project Beta, a significant portion of them had their faith strengthened. And they, wow. and the one, you know, the one quote I actually used because of uh, Paul Benowitz was, you know, I've I've given up everything, I've I've sold all my stuff, I've I've completely bought into this thing, and I kind of have to believe in it. The, the guy, the person who ever said that was very honest about it. I mean, I don't really have anything left. This is all I have left to believe in. So if the prophecy didn't come true, then, you know, then something must have saved us. And we've been we've got a reprieve and we got to look for it. We got to look for the signs for the next one. And I think if 2012 doesn't happen, that scenario will play out again with a lot of people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you're, the, what you're talking about reminds me of our visit to Unarius. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, for folks who don't know, there's this crazy contacty church, I guess you could call it. I'm sure that's probably not the right term, but maybe it is. I don't know. But <laughs> all the Unarians listening, contact us, let us know. But it's it's like a weird contacty church that's been there. How long has it been there for? Like since the 50s, 60s? Yeah, it's been there since the 1950s. It was around a woman named Ruth Norman and her husband, Ernest. Um, they said the world was going to end in 2001. They bought a big plot of land near San Diego and all went and waited there, and it didn't happen. So, of course, Ruth Norman, I believe, said, oh, well, we got to reprieve. The Space Brothers said that, you know, they're not going to come pick us up till, we'll, till the time is right and we're ready. And um, it's, a, it's a fascinating place. Anyone who's in the California area should go to this place. It's, yeah. like, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's all decorated with the requisite Space Brothers stuff. There's beautiful, like, new-agey frescoes of, of um, you know, Ruth Norman, a lot of them. But, you know, uh, uh, these pastoral scenes that look like they're from uh, ancient Rome and Greece with um, flying saucers in them. It's amazing. It's really uh, unbelievable. Google it, folks. It's awesome. Anyway, what what the hell are we talking about here? Oh, 2012. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think people will will uh, still hang on. They, some people will have to. Some people, like you said, will just, you know. But I think but, but I think the majority of people will, will, you know, look back on it and laugh like Y2K. What scares me, though, is that, like, you know, everybody sort of had their eye on the Y2K ball, and then this 9-11 thing happened, probably completely unrelated. But, you know, there's sort of something in the ether in my mind about it. So it's like I, I, I'm worried that, like, past 2012 bad things are going to happen that may not have anything obviously will have anything to do with uh with the mayan prophecy but maybe who knows i don't know maybe it affects like consciousness or something but if i feel like something bad more than more than like some grand enlightenment that a lot of people might hope for because the world's in a terrible place anyway yeah it's like shit's going down like like things only they're going to improve so i feel like you know <laughs> maybe Maybe, like, subconsciously, everyone's excited about the the 2012 Mayan calendar thing because they're like, oh, I hope it's true because fucking, you know, things can't get yeah. much worse <laughs> than this. Time to so. clean the slate. 
Yeah, exactly. People are like subconsciously hoping for a reset. But I feel like, you know, there'll be a thought vacuum in esoterica and just in the in the mainstream. And just hopefully that doesn't get filled with, like, you know, some kind of terrible event or, or war or some shit. That's, that's sort of my thoughts on 2012, I guess. Yeah. Well, it also might be referring to worldwide economic problems that are going on now, etc. Who, who knows? I personally, I've got a really dim view of prophecy because it's mm. it seems to be so inaccurate. Not 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 inaccurate, but um, what's the word? It's kind of, it's kind of like throwing at a dartboard. You know the dartboard's there. You know what your darts are. You know what you're trying to hit. And occasionally you'll hit it. Sometimes you'll be close. Sometimes you'll be right on. Sometimes you're way off. And I think that right. people actually can probably see and predict some future events or get at least some sort of hint about them. However, I don't think that a group of Mayan priests back in whatever, uh, you know, 700 years ago, would ha- would necessarily be that accurate. And, of course, there's all the um, other issues about... Uh, what about the interpretation? And are, do Mayan scholars believe this, or is it just one Mayan scholar and a bunch of people, mm. new agey people that want to? I never looked into it enough to find this out. So maybe I'm just talking out my ass, and I have no idea what I'm talking about. And the world's going to end in 2012. But the fact that a lot of people who don't really think things through or look for anything past their belief system are really into it, that's what makes me make the decision about. I don't think anything's going to happen, really. Right. Right. I think, yeah, but you also have to consider just, uh, you know, obviously I don't. I, I am in agreement that I don't think anything's going to happen. Uh, but I also take into account, I guess you could say, or I'm concerned about the sort of like, again, sort of like the collective unconscious, this like the whole, you know, Stanford eggs type of idea. Yeah. Where it's just like we're, it's probably not a good thing for people to think that the world is going to end in right, next right. December. Self fulfilling. Like, it can't be. It can't possibly be good. Yeah, self fulfilling <laughs> prophecy stuff. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Unless, unless they all like are you know. I'm not seeing some grand movement, except for you know, in small pockets, probably of people who are like, well, the world may end, so we should probably try and be better people by the end of the year. You know, like no one's really going to do that. <laughs> like, there's obviously New Year's resolutions, but those will go by the wayside like in a week. But no one's going to like change their life to, you know, be better people all of a sudden because the Mayan calendar is going to end. Yeah. So by human nature, we're we're gonna mess it up at some kind of opportunity. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's exciting. Yeah. I don't. I you know. How I, nice. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know about the catastrophism theory of of human nature. I mean, there, has there any been any human doings in the past that have completely changed life for humans all over the planet? I don't think so. Although there's, the ch- I guess we've got the technology to do that now, but I, I just don't think it's possible. Just like I don't think it's. Why would the chemtrails be? What, what is the reason for them to decrease the population? Why would you want to do that? That's the economic machine, you know. That's it, true. So, yeah. uh, you know, uh, chemtrails is a whole another. Well, I'm just using that... it as an, an, an no, analogy. No, 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 know. You know, it may come to an end by mistake, but it's not like with the way communications are now and how all the satellites and everything that we couldn't see something coming. You know, oh, like it was an asteroid, or something like that, well, or no, like a that, or you know, extremely fast climactic change over like the over a few months or whatever. I think that right. that would be kind of obvious, fairly long, not long off, but long enough off that everybody could have a chance at least to go to say, "Holy shit, what are we going to do?" <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's true too. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe I'm anything... just yeah. Maybe I'm just justifying, make trying to make myself feel better, but. 
the only thing I could think of that could do that would be like if a UFO crashed, bringing it back around to, you know, yeah. the kind of stuff we deal in. You know, that's really the only thing, you know, that would like fundamentally change the world. And I don't think this 2012 thing has anything to do with UFOs. So I don't expect that the UFO, you know, I don't, unless, you know, barring the, again, the, the help of the, of the, of the UFO originators or whatever, uh, I don't expect this to lead to the, you know, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that like the, the whole 2012 phenomenon and the, the lead up to it is not going to spur on the government or any officialdom to, to open up about UFOs. So it's all up to them and, you know, pin your hopes that they're going to show up on, on December 21st is, you know, a fool's bet. <laughs> yeah, that, that's something we keep coming back to, too, that it's um, the disclosure isn't going to come from a government. It's going to come from the phenomenon somehow. To and Maybe that move goes back to the um, democratic nature of it, possibly, because that would be the best way to do it, not have somebody that runs everything diluting the message of whatever the thing is. Because I think there's yeah, an intelligence behind themselves. it. Yeah, I think there's an intelligence behind it, but I think that our brains are so, ex- you know, primed to believe and look at things in a certain way that we're not equipped quite yet to meet it on its on the terms that of where it actually comes from. And I don't know where that is, I, but I do specifically believe that it's you know there's enough evidence that there's something that's not human doing something and interacting with us and maybe flying around in things once in a while. Who knows? But there is the, there's an other there, and I think you think that too. Yeah, yeah. There's something behind all this, and it's definitely intelligent. And you know, it's I guess the best way to to maybe gauge if the government knows anything. You know, if the government can see their cards or something like that, or predict ahead of what they're going to do is like if they try to start covering their ass a little bit. But we don't necessarily. But that can also just be like a leaking ship of secrecy too. Yeah, as, as, as in the um, the uh, NASA video that you were talking about. Exactly, right. Like little things like that. But then you see the thing from the White House, and it's like, well, they're not totally trying to cover their ass. But I guess they did sort of like leave it all ambiguous and everything. So What thing from the White House? Where they were like, we, the government has no knowledge of it, dealings with extraterrestrials, something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sort of vague enough where they could sort of get away. It was like written in legalese. Yeah. You know. I just wish someone would just fucking ask the question to the president. You know, who cares what, even if he laughs it off, it's still, I know they did during the debate, but still. Yeah, you know, and that we one... Need one. We need just like one pest, you know, <laughs> who just keeps bringing it up. Like that old lady who used to sit in the front of the White House. Yes, uh, yes, I, that's exactly what I thought of when you said that. Right, right. Um, so Catherine, like, so they're like, listen, you gotta stop asking like everybody about that all the time, you know? So. <laughs> Because I think Grant Cameron did it with somebody. I think it was Cheney, maybe. And um, then, and I think he's he wasn't he the one that said, "If that came up, I'm sure we'd be able to deal." Oh no, no, that was uh, what's his name, Giuliani. Oh wow! Some kid asked that, I think, or I can't remember, but he was in a public forum one time uh, during the election year last time when he was. I think I remember that. Last yeah, time he was when like, he was I sort of nine eleven. I could handle aliens or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, he said, "I'm sure we're we're prepared for that too." Next question. Um, that that you know, that's as far as it's going to get, and it'll excite UFO people for you know uh, ten minutes. Exactly. Well, you why, know, why do you think? To, you said that you saw good things coming in 2012. Um, Tim Nostradamus Benal. Why do you think that? 
I don't know. I think maybe uh, twenty twelve will lead to good things more than anything. Just like because we're going to lose twenty twelve the genre, right? Uh, by the end of the year, and again that thought vacuum will lead people to hopefully we're going to lose a lot of people. I think in a way like where people are going to sort of like write off uh, this stuff. We're going to get laughed at terribly uh, by the mainstream media, even though we don't believe in it. It's like still we're going to get tarred with that brush too. But I feel like in the long run, just shedding the, the, the weight of 2012 and, and all that will be really good for everybody in the field. Yeah. You know, it's just sort of excising this just cancerous thing that's grown on the paranormal community, like over the last, since Y2K, even beyond. And now, you know, we lance that boil and we can move on. And hopefully, you know, like I said, that thought vacuum will lead to people taking a second look at things or giving a fresh look to stuff or turning their attention toward other subjects like that merit it, like UFOs and Bigfoot, of course. Yeah. You know, it's like I almost wish we could do the same thing to ghost hunting, but we can't. So, you know, unless there's like a spate of death by kids ghost hunting and then parents stop letting them do it and stuff. <laughs> Even then it would become like the, it would become like the, the counterculture thing to do, you know? Yeah. Like you said, I... you, you fight against your parents, so. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I noticed looking at your your guests and uh, hearing a couple parts of some of the um, shows over this last season six, right? Yeah. Um, you've moved away very visibly from the um, from the UFO thing and, and other th- and going at other things like uh, well, I mean, you still had people like uh, Paul Kimball and Peter Robbins. Um, who else? I get, did well, you, you and Nick last year. Yeah, and Stan, uh, Friedman. Stan Friedman for the last show. But then you had people on talking about, um, you know, is Michael Jackson really alive, I think, and, yep. and, and who else? Uh, Meat-eating meat horses was one of the real classics. I, love that one. <laughs> I haven't listened to that one yet. What was up with meat-eating horses? I'm ta- everybody likes, first they laugh, but when you listen to it, it's an amazing, the guy, it's a. it really covers two subjects, meat-eating horses uh, well, three aggressive horses, and then this whole this whole like culture of long riding, which I found even as fascinating as the as the insanity of the meat eating and murderous horses. So it's like the meat eating is he, he's uncovered just like countless amounts of evidence over like thousands of years that horses can and will and do eat meat. It's it's as simple as that. And it's like after you're done listening to it, you're like it should you know it really changes your perspective. Where you're like, all right, I guess horses can eat meat. <laughs> It just sounds so funny, but yeah, I haven't listened to the show. Now I really want to listen to it. I mean, yeah, why, why like, did you, think, why did you I, decide to have him on? I mean, it sounds fascinating. It has nothing to do with anything else that we usually talk about, but it's a fascinating subject. That's exactly why. That's kind of where we've gone this season. Yeah. It's been like it, it's been it's been a bridge year in a sense, and it's all it's been a crazy year um, because, like, the show. Uh, I've talk, I talked about this with Kimball on my show. It's like we got we got wrapped on the knuckles because we were using popular music on the show. So I had to go back and take that out of like 180 shows. Yeah. And then while that was going on, then the people who hosted my show, the website that hosted it, was like, dude, you're, you're just like sapping bandwidth from like the whole, like just customers all over the place and we can't have you anymore. They threw me off their, their service. So I, it was like a double gut punch in the spring. And it was like, I wouldn't say the show was in danger or anything, but it was offline for like three, for like a couple months. And I was getting emails all the time. And it was like, 
there was I wouldn't like I said I wouldn't say there was any danger that like the show was going to go away, but it was like ah uh, this is it was just you know taking on water I guess the best way to put it. So yeah, it was yeah. Like I just put so much concentration into that that you know it really got a, turned out to be a disjointed season. But then while all that was going on, you know I kind of found myself getting re like reinterested in all this fringe part of the paranormal. Yeah, it was like we've done UFOs and we've done you know, sort of like the mainstream version of Bigfoot. And we've done ghosts and we've done like every conspiracy you could probably think of, but now let's let's try and do you know, it wasn't like a conscious decision, but it sort of developed over the course of the season. But it was like, you know, it does it was almost like a criteria. It was like, does it have anything to do with like the big daddies of paranormal? No? All right, what is it? You know? And so it was like, let's do moon hoax. Let's do the Ouija board. Yeah. You know, I want and I also like at the end of the day, like, when I really wrap up the whole show, eventually, like, I want to be able to say that I did almost every... I want to be able to say that... I, no, I want to be able to say I do. I did every subject there was. So, it's like, you know, I, until I get that Amelia Earhart guest, you know, the show's not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, and, like, the, the leading authority on Amelia Earhart apparently, like, doesn't want to do paranormal shows. So yeah, of course I'm going to find a, a different Amelia Earhart guest. But there's the cool part about it, though, is there's always, like, weird sort of stuff that I want to look into that, you know, that I never really thought about until now, having done it for so many years. Like the whole Shakespeare controversy. Or, you know, like, who wrote Shakespeare? Yeah. Or, um, you know, uh, what the hell was the other one I was just thinking of? Uh, I, I lost my train of thought. But, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. like this season we did, we finally did the episode I've wanted to do for like forever, which was like, I think it was like over two and a half hours or something on spontaneous human combustion. Yeah. And it was like, finally, like, you know, this kind of like goes back to what I'm saying. You know, at the end of the day, I can say, all right, here's, you know, go to this episode and you can hear like everything you possibly want to know about Spawncom. It's been, ex so it's been an exciting year, but it's like I said, it's been for people like listening on the outside, for people sort of like watching as the shows get posted and stuff, they're probably, you know, they, I'm sure they're like, what has been all doing? What is like wrong with this guy? Like I'm waiting like a month for a show. I'm waiting. I was, I was going to ask that. I mean, what, what kind of reactions you get? Are people like, what happened to my UFOs? Or are they, are they kind of on board with it? I think they're really on board with just all the fringe stuff we've been covering. Right. If anything, they're just annoyed at how long it takes me to get episodes posted. But yeah, you well, know, I don't want to make any promises, but I'm I'm just like, as I said, I'm excited about 2012, and I've had a crazy month of December where I was working like six days a week, uh, probably like 60 hours a week uh, all through December, and that's done now. And, you know, like literally the only thing I have planned for 2012 is this conversation we're having right now. <laughs> so And it, uh, like, Wednesday. What's that? And uh, Wednesday. Yeah, and Wednesday, our year in review show for, for BOA. So it's so exciting, and... Since I've been so busy, I've just, like, I've been sort of on the net, you know, in the paranormal community, watching things and, and finding and seeing a lot of so people and stories I want to examine. So it's like, there's, you know, there's certainly no shortage of uh, guests and stuff I want to talk about. Yeah. Because there are yeah. times when, you know, I'm like, I don't really, you know, who could I possibly want to talk to right now? So now it's like, there's tons of people I want to talk to. Yeah, well, you shame and embarrass me because 
these subjects on your shows, it's like, Jesus, why didn't I just start branching out? Because I talked recently, I talked to Barry Taff, who I've wanted to talk to for a long, long time. You've you've interviewed him, right? No, no. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you should. He's he's a fun interview. And uh, Richard sent it within a week of each other, and, and neither of them. Well, Barry Taft did talk about UFOs in a very, actually, a very orthodox way, which surprised me. Um, orthodox meaning he thinks they're aliens coming from other planets and structured craft. Um, yeah. But meat eating horses and uh, the guy that wrote for National Enquirer on 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 uh, the paranormal, you know, this this is great stuff, great shows. Um, and it, it, you actually inspired me because I just recently, when I was looking around for for the year in review stuff, I, you just start looking for stuff, and stuff comes up. And one of the most interesting things was, um, I guess, and I, you've probably heard of this recently. There's a big, apparently, a groundswell somewhere of, uh, or all over the place of um, uh, anomalous sky sounds. Oh, weird! Meaning, see, that's, like, see, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. booming sounds, and, but this there's a history of of sky quakes and booming sounds, uh, specifically associated with various places in around the world. There's a few in the East Coast. I think there's a, some something on the East Coast called the Moodus noise, um, and I don't know if that's a tribe or the name. Somebody could probably is going to correct me or uh, enlighten us, but. The, these are noises coming from the sky and from, from seemingly from everywhere. This one guy is like, there's a cell phone, and he's taking a video, and his kid's there, and I don't know if it's a hoax or not. He goes, there's this weird noise. I wonder if the cell phone could pick it up. And it doesn't pick it up except when he points it in one specific direction. But he says he's hearing it the whole time. And it's this really high-pitched, weird, double-tone noise. Weird, man. That you is know? weird. Yeah. And the, there's a there's a few videos of just people... You know, saying that there's uh, there's these weird booming noises, but of course these microphones on these cameras are crap, so they can't really pick up the noise. So it just basically sounds like a roar, like maybe wind yeah, or something. Yeah, that, that sounds like also like a very maddening area to research in a sense. It like, must be, like, but it's it's like it, you know, it's is anybody doing work on this? I'm gonna I'm gonna find out, and if I do, I'm gonna try and get them on the show. Unless you do it yes. first, so no, do it. <laughs> Like sky well, like, noises. Like, what, what's up with? There's even an, an, an acronym for it. it's like anomalous sky noises or A N A S N or something. I don't know. Weird. Yeah. yeah. See, it's so hard to like pin down noise. It's like trying to find a smell. Yeah. You know, it's very like I think that would drive me crazy. In a yeah, and it's and P, the people. You know, I read these. I read like probably ten or fifteen different reports and watched a few videos, and it was just like. These noises, they're, they're not airplanes, they're not helicopters, not even a motor. They're just strange noises that seem to surround the person, and they can't tell where it's coming from. The only place they could think it's coming from is the sky. So it's, uh, you know, maybe this will develop into something over 2012. I don't know. <laughs> it's the new thing, sky noises. <laughs> sky noises, weird. Very interesting. I've never even, yeah, I've never heard of this. Yeah, if any of the listeners uh, right now know somebody that's specifically researching anomalous sky noises, um, yeah, please, um, wow, this microphone's broken. Uh, write, write me at the, the show email at greg at writingmysterioso.com, and maybe we can get somebody on to talk about that. I think it'd be incredible. And it's all due to Tim making me feel easy because I haven't been uh, doing this the, uh, my proper research all year. It's funny, I, Tim. I recently and you, I told you this. I I uh, got some freelance work, which might turn into a job. Yeah. And strangely enough, 
and I've been thinking about this for a couple of days, and I can tell now, talking to you and being on the show, I'm a lot more energized about the other things I'm doing because I guess I know where money's coming from. Maybe that's what I'm made to do. I don't know. I think it's also, because I feel the same way, and as you were saying that, I was thinking about it, and it's like, I think, because there were times when I wasn't working at all, and I was sort of concentrating on VOA, and, and I just, you know, I don't feel like the output was as good as what I'm putting out now with, while I'm working, like, all the time. And I think part of it is that, like, when you're working, like, let's face it, even if you're in a super high-intense job, like, your thoughts, you know, you start thinking about what you're going to do when you're not working. Yeah. Like, the free time becomes much more valuable, uh than, than it was when you all, when all you had was free time. Yeah, I just read an article about intelligence question about IQ, and it led me to you know a bunch of different articles. And one of the articles um, was, you know, if your brain is working and you're being challenged constantly and you're under a bit of stress, that's good for your thought process. Even if it's some you know dumb thing, I'm learning new, you know relearning and learning new things at this job now to you know in post production again. Um, and it makes me a little bit nervous, but I also noticed in, in the last week my brain activity's gone up. I mean, to the point where I don't feel there used to be a block in my head, or I felt like I was getting stupid or something, and I don't feel so much like that anymore. I hope it's not you know I hope it's not temporary. Yeah, I was just thinking that about all the <laughs> all the way I'm feeling. Yeah, but I, I do hope it's like. Now, like I said, I'm I'm like chomping at the bit to talk to more people and do more stuff, and it's like, wow, I hope I hope this I hope I feel the same way like on the eighth. So you can't you you you, know? you, you haven't thought of anybody but, you're going to talk to this year, huh? Yet besides me. Yeah, well, we we kind of we got into a as I said the the, the season has been sort of like that we we try to do the seasonal format, but the yeah. the way the seasons unfolded, it's been so crazy where it's been like a month between episodes. Normally that would be like unheard of, and uh, we kind of got to the point. Uh, as the holidays came up, where, like, theoretically, we'd have to wrap up the season and then quickly start with the next season to get the holiday special and the year in review special into season seven. And then I was like, you know what? This is intense and crazy and not a good idea. So let's just keep going with season six until we get to, like, now, like January, and sort of do final, do the holiday episodes and then do a couple more and then wrap it up with the season finale take a month off, come back and sort of start fresh on season seven now that, because a, a big part of, of, of the thing with season six too was beyond all the technical issues and shit was just sort of uh, that I'm working again in, in uh, outside of the paranormal and it's just, you know, bound to try and find the balance between all that it took a long, long time. But yeah. now it seems to have really, I'm sort of getting the hang of it. Well, that's good. Yeah. I, I, the other thing is you seem to impose some sort of – you've got a whole structure about what you do, whereas um, I don't. I mean, I just I just kind of find people, and I hope that that falls into place in the next few weeks. And if it doesn't, I either play an old show or, more likely, I just come in and play some weird music I found in the last few weeks. And maybe that's all I want to do. I don't know. But, you know, it, it, it seems like – do you have to impose that structure upon yourself to get the shows out, or is, it, is you just – you just like working that way. I just like working that way. I think it's just habitual at this point. You know, like I know how, I know, I like the seasonal format. I know I sort of need this break between the seasons to figure out. Well, I kind of look at each season as like an album almost. Yeah. So to take the time to, 
to sort of like, and and, and they always sort of, it's weird, because like some seasons featured a lot of international stuff, some, I feel like maybe season seven, which will be in 2012, will feature a fair amount of 2012 discussion, you know, so it's like, they sort of take on their own identity as time goes by, and then the, the following season sort of inform the ones after them. Or yeah. it's like, oh, well, you know, I really enjoy doing these sort of guests in season four, so let's try and do a couple of those here in season seven while we're doing this, you know, so. Yeah, they kind of grow. It sounds like you kind of, like, birthed this kid, and now it's it's grown into its own person that kind of has its life, and you and it, that you can, you can use that as a tool. Right, exactly, right, right. And, and you know, in, in a lot of ways, 2011 was like a nightmare dealing with all this crap, but then it was like, it, the, the show has sort of gotten picked, you know, overwhelmed by its own momentum in a sense, <laughs> where it was like, I, I got to keep getting this thing out. I got to keep keep the, the engine running here. Now it's sort of coasting in a good way, where it's like, all right, we got all the things up now. We fixed all the big problems that we kept putting off fixing. So we've we weathered a big storm, and, and now it's like, and part of it, too, is like, and I, I think you're the same way, too. It's like, I'm, at this point, I've been doing this for, like, so long you know, I don't really care anymore, like, what people think, I guess. You know what I mean? It's like, we're, we're established, dude. Just leave me alone. You know, if you don't like the show, don't listen to it. If you like it, listen to it. But, you yeah. know, I'm not trying to win anybody over anymore, I guess. No, but you've, <laughs> but, you got, know, you've got a lot of listeners. I mean, if you, you were able to get your server pissed off at you for getting too many people downloading and listening, I mean, that that shows that you've got a decent size audience i mean and you've been going you know at that point you'd been going for what for five seasons yeah well yeah that was just right like towards the beginning of season six so you know this will be our seventh year like pretty much coming up and uh and you've got you know, how many how many lists how many downloads do you have of the shows do you think i don't really honestly i really don't keep track of it i really? maybe check the, i maybe check the stats like every few weeks but i'm not like an ardent you know like post the episode and then spend the next twenty four hours like refreshing the <laughs> the count or anything. Yeah, well, I look I, every I, once I, in a while, and it's you know I've gotten up to a certain point and it just kind of has stayed there, and so I, I think I've reached the saturation point on who's interested in listening to the show. The funny thing is, and I don't know how site site hits are counted. I'm up to like two hundred fifty thousand hits on the site since you know june the end of june i don't know what that means i guess it means that people made a lot of mistakes coming to the site when they thought they were looking for something else (laughs) (laughs) they were looking for the wrestler ray mysterio yeah that's it (laughs) (laughs) but no i mean i'm 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 happy with the i guess yeah that's a big part of it too you know it's like we were establishing in a sense i'm like i'm kind of content with uh right with this work that i've done and i'm excited about continuing the work you're you're totally you know when I listen to the shows you're a hundred percent more confident than we we were the first season I mean it's it's totally obvious to me. Somebody asked me what it was like at my last job when I finally got canned. I said in the last few months I feel like I'm being surfing the wave instead of being tumbled in it, and that's what it seems like Banal of America has been for the past few seasons. You're surfing the wave instead of getting tumbled by it. That's thank you, thank you, dude. I'm I'm you know I appreciate that. I mean I started out just. Just calling people like on the phone, like you were one of the first people we had on the show, and it was like, you know, I think you you emailed me about something I wrote on the website, and then it was like, hey, I'm just starting a show, dude. Do you want to be on it? Oh, and it was like, uh, it was the Doty episode. Yeah, yeah, 
I want to like go back and read Project Beta and do another interview since we had you on like in the very you know one. I think you were like one of the first like five interviews I ever did. So. Yeah, yeah, I think it was second or third or something. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Stan Friedman was your first one, right? No, Jim Mars. Oh, well, Jim Stan Mars. Stan Friedman was the first interview I actually like ever did, like in person. Sort of right. went up to him at the table at the oh, conference okay, okay. and like talked to him for like ten minutes. Well, like, you know, Stan's an interview hoe, just like I am. So. <laughs> So, but, you know, it's exciting to do, I really, I, I, I got a degree in radio and TV and film, but mostly in TV. So it was like, uh-huh. I never had any inclination I was going to get mixed up in radio or anything. Right. And now it's like somehow I'm at, I'm like in radio, <laughs> you know, even though it's podcasting or whatever, you know, it's like, you any, know, any ideas man, or, or do you have any ideas or um, aspirations to like take it to another level and, and get into a you know, into a real commercial format, which comes along with its whole with a whole set of other problems. But have you ever thought about that, or is that something you want to do? I considered it like uh, when I wasn't doing anything and didn't have a job. <laughs> yeah, and, oh, of course. Uh, but now that I'm working and everything, I almost feel like the show works better as as like a labor of love. I, I hate to call it a hobby. You know what I mean? But just something where I where I don't have to sing for my supper. I guess is the best way to put it. You know, right. it works best when I when it's not when it's not the cash cow and when it's actually like something I want to do and I don't you know I'm not begrudgingly doing it yeah. like in the hopes that something else will happen. The you fact, know what I mean? Yeah, the it's fact like, that like you, how they say you're going to meet you, you meet a woman when you're not looking for it. Yeah, the fact that you say that you said just a little bit earlier, I don't ever really look at the stats, tells me that you're really enjoying doing the show. You yeah, know what I mean, I love you it. just don't care. I yeah, look at, genuinely, you know, you know and, and that's, like I said, there were times like in some of the couple of years ago where it was sort of like begrudging because I wasn't working on anything and, and it was just, it was like overall stressfulness, you yeah. know? So nowadays it's like, you know, I feel like spiritually, I guess you should say, I feel like better than I have in years. I don't know if it's working again, like you said too, not having to worry about where that next paycheck comes from really helps a lot. Yeah. You know, not having like all close every month is like so huge to the creative process. Or it's like, oh, thank God that's not weighing me down all the time. Yeah, like I said, maybe that you know, for for myself, like I said, maybe that's how I operate. I I don't know. I thought I thought I was going to operate as the as the artist or whatever it is. You know, I'm going to do what I want and get paid for it. It's like maybe that's not it. Maybe that's not me. Right, and the whole idea of, like, I, I like just sort of having no rules, in a sense. No language rules and no, like, time limit rules. Right, right. Like, some like some shows will be an hour and 20 minutes. Some shows will be, like, an hour and 37 minutes. It's like, and, and commercial breaks just sort of really mess the flow up of the conversation. Yeah, do you ever announce so, who you're talking to during the show? Because I never do that. Do I ever what? Like, in the middle of the show, you say, we're talking to so-and-so. A no, couple never. Pe- yeah, a couple people at the, uh, at the station here, I think, told me, you ought to announce while you're doing it who you're talking to. And I thought about it. I said, maybe I should. And I was for a while. And then I thought, why should I do that? One, it breaks up the you know the flow of what's going on. And two, they're going to be listening to you on a podcast. They know who they're listening to. Right, right. Are we talking about at the very beginning of the show or like in the middle of the show where like, no, like, all of a sudden now you're going to be like, 
you know. Where I say, you know, it's 9 o'clock now. We're an hour into the show. We're talking with Tim Banal of BanalofAmerica.com. It's like... Right, we, that's ridiculous. It feels so artificial. Yeah, and I, I, like, we don't need to do that. I mean, if somebody's listening live, you know what? Too bad. <laughs> You're going to catch it right in the middle. Um, but, but you know, 99% of the people that are listening are going to be listening to it later on podcasts because that's how people do it. They listen at their own convenience. And if they're gonna, they want to listen to the show, they can see what the show is before they download it. <laughs> so they know right. who you're it's talking not like, to. It's, it's just not like TV and radio where you're trying to catch people who are coming in on the hours. Right, right, exactly. So it's like, it's another one of those things where you just can't, like, you know, if you're in commercial radio, you have to keep that momentum going all the time and stuff. Right. You know, but I will say, yeah, I have thought about sort of venturing into the visual realm, I guess is the best way to put it, because I feel like, to take my sensibilities and, and develop something in the in the video area, whether it's a movie or some kind of web series or anything, you know what I mean? Something, yeah. something in the video area. So if I was going to say, like, how this will evolve next, that's where I hope it will go. But in light of, you know, how crazy 2011 was and how busy I've been in shit, this is a, it's like a slow-moving glacier. Like I wouldn't, you know, people shouldn't expect to see my ugly mug. Say that again. Anytime, anytime soon, but hey, you know, in a long, long, long run. Okay. Uh, once in a while, you're Where'd cutting you out because of the, <laughs> once in a while you're cutting out because of the Skype. If it gets too bad, I will call you back on my cell phone and mic it like I used to do when people said nah, that didn't sound very good. But we'll leave it on. We'll leave it on the. Um, Skype right now because I can understand ninety nine point nine 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 percent of what you're saying. Um, it, it's the, the, All right. the yeah. horrible technical glitch. We've, we're like we're at the ass end of the um, bandwidth uh, allocation at this station. So if somebody else wants some of the bandwidth, we're last in line, and they kind of hog it up. And su- subsequently, the Skype you'll be talking, and you'll say, "Well, you know what I want to do with the show is in the next year." So if that happens, I will interrupt you and say, Tim, Tim, can you repeat like the last? And if it happens too much, we'll just switch to the phone. I'll just say that now, and I'll probably edit this out of the, the final product. All right. Product. Hap- Do we- a lot so far? No, just a couple times. Do we need to talk about any paranormal stuff, right. or do you want to talk about other stuff that interests you? Well, let me think. Well, you, you, had, stuff. you had a couple of... Um, Okay, after talk yeah, it just question popped into my head. After talking to all these people and reading a few things that you've read on this or maybe a lot of things, do you know any more than you did at the beginning or do you have any idea of what's going on? Um and do you think all these paranormal things are connected in some way? Yes to the connection thing. I think they're all connected somehow. But we don't know exactly how yet. Like Obviously. ghosts and abductions are connected in some very basic way. Was that would you... right? Just like I'm, just like me and the cigarette I'm smoking are made of atoms. Yeah, you know, it's like in, in some very bare minimum thing, they're somehow connected. Probably like by some kind of paranormal atoms, we'll call them. <laughs> you know, like the unified paranormal theory. I believe that that's out there, and. uh do I know more? I feel like I know, I guess the best way to put it is, since I'm not like a specific sort of researcher where I dive into one thing, I feel like the best way to put it is at this point, after all these years, I feel like I kind of have the best, have a good understanding of like the lay of the land, if you will. Right. 
like where we stand on knowing what the answer is to all this stuff. But right. I don't necessarily know the answer to anything. Um, I just know that there's a lot of different theories out there. Have and you... I've managed to really sort okay. of educate myself as to what all those theories are and how this whole thing came to be. This whole, like, trying to get to the bottom of the mysteries. So is that one of your motivations for doing the show, is that you basically wanted to teach yourself all this stuff by talking, going straight to the source? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's sort of how the whole show kind of came about in the first place. It was like, I was interested in all this, so I wanted to talk to these people more and find out more and listen to them on the radio myself. It was like, I have a lot of questions for these people. Yeah, that so, aren't being asked. You know. Yeah, that aren't necessarily being asked, maybe, or just like that I hadn't heard of asked before. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Because I just got into it, like, in, in the 2003, you know? So I'm sure a lot of the questions that, like, were asked of Friedman that, I, that I've asked of him, you know, have been asked many, many, many times. Right. But, like, I'd like, you kind of almost want to hear it for yourself so then you can process it and then be like, but what about, or, you know, well, how do you think that relates to this? Or, you know what I mean? I think that's why, this is one reason why we get along so well. This is exactly 100% the reason why I um, started the magazine with my friends and continue to do the show. Absolutely 100%, because I want to ask, you know, you or Nick or Barry Taff or, or Peter Robbins or Grant Cameron or, or, God, Nancy Talbot or anybody I've had on the show, specifically things that I want to ask them and challenge them a little bit. And, and I notice you do that, too. I mean, you kind of lightly do it, but you challenge your guests, you know, explain that. Why should we believe that? And that's another, right, right. You know, that's another reason why I like your show. It's a, there's too much of this. Let's just accept what the person is saying. But the funny thing is, don't do you get comments from people like, you know, why didn't you give them some shit on that? And why didn't you bring this? Up? It's like, why do I need to explain to you when somebody's starting to look silly that that should be your job? You know, why why do I have to like stuff somebody down a hole when it looks like they're about to go? Why do I have to flush them when it looks like they've already they're clinging to the rim anyway? Exactly. So I don't see that. I don't see the confrontational thing. And I also don't see the policeman yeah. attitude, that, attitude that a lot of people have, too. Right, right. I've always been against sort of like trying to police the whole field. And, and the confrontational thing is just ridiculous. It's like, like I said, I try to give the guests as much rope as they hang themselves. That's fine. And yeah. like, I like to think that the audience is smart enough to see that happening. Yeah. They don't need me to be like, you know, be all confrontational about it. Yeah. Well, and I'm happy to like challenge guests, but yeah. it's like... I try to challenge them with sort of like you know, a devil's advocate point of view. Exactly. Where it's not like, listen, I'm not coming at you about this, but I know like the vast, you know, let's say the vast majority of listeners are saying right now that what you're saying is crazy. How can you yeah. justify it to those people? Yeah. Or I'm you know? sure you've been asked this before, but how do you know that for sure? Or do you have any, you know, confirming evidence from somebody else or whatever? And they can say yes or no or change the subject and... You know, people can learn from that. I learned exactly. from it. That's why I'm going to ask them that question. Plus, to some guests, you just know that you're not going to get, like, a really satisfactory answer if you challenge them on stuff. So it's like you just don't even bother. Yeah, you're, you're, going, to learn, you know? you're going to learn what you learn from them. And, you know, they're, 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 you're not a baby with the bathwater person either. It's like, well, there might be some validity to some of the stuff this man or woman says, and a lot of it might be crap. 
But I'm interested in the stuff that might not be crap. And I'm also interested possibly in, in laughing at the stuff that is crap. But the whole, you know, the whole spectrum has to be addressed, I think. And I, I think you do that. Plus, it's like, my attitude, too, is like, instead of, if, if you don't hear me challenge the guest, chances are then I'm, that's because I'm taking it down a completely divergent path. Because then you understand that I'm not believing what they're saying. So yeah. it's like, okay, you know, we've gone down a dead end here because what you're saying now is not at all what I'm interested in because yeah. I don't, you know, because this doesn't make any sense to me. So let's extrapolate on this part here, which may help me understand what you're saying. Right. You know, it's like I kind of try to take them back around where it's like, all right, hold on, because what you're saying is sounds unbelievable. So, you know, take me back to where you lost me. And <laughs> let's let's go after that because that's what we need to get after because you're not winning me, me over to what you're saying. Has anybody lost you for the entire show? What or do you mean? Where I just didn't care, or or like, where they were just like, you know, a million miles an hour, having nothing to do with what you asked them, and you're just kind of like, well, I guess we'll just run this show with the person going because I've had that happen. Yeah, I've had it happen a couple times. I've had it happen a couple times. It's a, I call them steamrollers. <laughs> you know, I've had guests where I ask them like one question and they go for like a half an hour, and I, you know, I'm there. I've heard you know responses from people who say that the person talked too much and stuff. But like, if you actually listen to the episode, unless I edited them out to be polite, you can hear times in the interview where I try to get in to say something and they still won't let me, um, you know, do, like to divert their train of thought. Yeah, and it's like. It's like, uh, you know, it, that's just, the, uh, you know, I don't begrudge them, I guess. I don't hate the people who do do that. It's just their personality and their style. But it's like I feel like they're not doing a very good job of selling their their research by not having, a, like, a, an honest give and take. Yeah, or or they're overselling it. The, 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 the one person right. that did that that I can recall, I don't know, I don't know if you've had him on, um, but I didn't care because it was so good, was Tim Beckley. Yeah, but it's really good. You almost, I mean, I've had guests that, yeah, exactly. I've had guests that are like that where it's so good where I'm just like, you know what? Like, I, I don't want to say anything because I'm enjoying this so much. Yeah, I mean, I'd and ask him a go. question about UFO publishing, and he'd go through the entire history as he knew it and as he participated in of publishing UFO stuff and the craziness of it and the wacky characters and the what the hell happened to him. And it's like, or, you know, it, Peter Robbins, if you let him, he will do that. But he's a he's a, he oh yeah he's yeah. really nice. Like, does that answer your question or whatever? But if you say, Peter, tell the story, you can sit there for half an hour and he tells a great story that you can't tear yourself away from. Right, that's how I did it when I first interviewed him on Bentwaters. I was like, let's just start from that night and just let's go through what happened. Yeah, he went on for like forty-five minutes and it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was just absolutely like, you know, and it's the kind of show that. Down the line, if someone's like, "Well, what's up with this Bentwaters thing?" It's like, dude, here's like the story without <laughs> without you know me getting in the middle of it all and yeah. and messing it all up. By, and you don't by have trying to go, to, like, yeah. act, you know, because sometimes they, you get people who have to get in into it to show that they know what the other person's talking about. Yeah, and Peter, I, so, I do sometimes too, but yeah. you know, and Peter's real to. cool about it that way because. He's not one of, and you run into these people too. They're like, "Well, if you get the rest of that, you're gonna have to read my book." He tells you. He figures if he's compelling yeah. enough, you're going to buy the damn book anyway. And he's right. You know? Exactly, yeah. You know, the yeah. hard sell Luckily, does not work with me. To do that. Yeah, the hard sell does not work with me. 
I guess some people it does, but most people are into this. They don't really want to be pushed into anything. They want to hear what you have to say. Now, if you have to withhold information, don't say you have to withhold information. Just tell them the information you want them to hear and make it sound right. And there's a lot of people that write and that are pros about that that do a really good job at that, where you think you're getting the whole story, but it really wants let, lets you want to know more. I've learned from that. I mean, I've, I've learned from my guests when I go on shows. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I agree with you. It's like, it, it's it, it's interesting. It's a, it, I enjoy this conversation we're having right now because it's like it, it's it, and you know, I've, hopefully people don't think it's like too inside baseball, but I'm loving it. There's very few people. There's a lot of podcasters out there, but it, you know, I'm not necessarily friends with all of them, and I don't necessarily know them. Um, and and there's hundreds. <laughs> so it, it would be impossible. So it's great to talk to someone who also hosts a show where you can kind of like talk shop a little bit about what it's like to, to you know, to not only host it but produce and everything else. Yeah. And if we're lucky, I mean, there's people listening that, that, that this interests them. Um, you know, you know, and I've said this before, who, who I'd like to interview about interviewing people is Art Bell, for Christ's sake. I've asked him like five times and he won't do it. Um, oh, yeah. He'd be fascinating. I would love to talk to him about... You know, about his book, The Art of Talk, just about uh, how he interviews people, what's going through his mind when he does it. You know, the same questions I was telling you, you know, what do you learn from them? You know, as a commercial enterprise, you know, what do you, you know. But the thing is, he didn't start as a paranormal guy. He started out as a, 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 in a kind of like um, right wing talk show stuff. Yeah, yeah. Then he sort of moved into uh, paranormal radio. All right. Do you know how that happened? I, I can't remember. Was it because of the Area 51 thing and the the intersection between that? I, I can't remember how he started out doing paranormal radio. I think it was just that, like, the paranormal stuff generated way more interest than straight political talk. Oh, and then okay. He, uh, and then he ended up, he realized, he sort of saw the... The, the vacuum, again, there's that word, uh, <laughs> that there was, at the time, there was no... There was no paranormal uh, radio, really, you know? Yeah. Of the caliber that he could deliver. Like like Long John Nebel style, you know? Yeah. Have you listened to any Long John Nebel since I... I'm sure I'm not the only one who told you about him. No, but you know whose name just crossed my mind, though? is Rents. Do you remember how big Rents used to be? Yeah. Like... Yeah. Like, I've mentioned Rents to people, like, that I meet and talk, you know... Oh, you're really cutting out. friends with that are into this, and they listen to my show, and they listen to all the other shows. Right. Yep. Am I better now? Yes. How am I now? <laughs> Pretty good. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you now. But it's like I talk to people who have gotten into this in the last few years, and they've, like, no idea who Rents is. And I, it makes me feel old. It's like, oh, my God, dude, you don't know who Rents is. But I think Rents is just sort of, you know, I, I think the podcasting thing, like, crushes market share. Yeah, probably. Share. I mean, I used to listen to a lot of Rents. Like, he was a big influence on how I do my show. Really? Well, yeah, but in the sense that, like, he just started the show right into doing the interview. Uh-huh. Like, I, like, like, not any news or any sort of, like, the, like the interviews are timeless. That yeah. was kind of the idea that I wanted with my show, too. Right, right. Like, the show just starts, like, you know, get right into it. Like, okay, here's our guest tonight. So you could listen to it, like, in ten years, and you wouldn't be listening to, like, you know, Apple introduced this new device called the iPod. <laughs> you know, it's like, why? Uh, all right. I should mention, dude, happy oh, birthday, Paul Kimball. It's his birthday here right now. 
Yes, Paul Kimball's birthday is is, yeah. is, 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 I should have mentioned that. Yeah, Paul Kimball's birthday is January 2nd. So if anybody knows him on Facebook or whatever, send him a nice birthday wish. There you go. Yeah, he says he's halfway to 90. He's halfway to 90. He's 45. Yeah. Wow. He's an oldster. I had I'm going to turn 33 this year. You're an oldster, too. I'm excited, though. 33, 2012. It's going to be an esoteric year for me. That's pretty good. Yeah. And uh, halfway th- uh, in, um, oh, I don't know when your birthday is. A third of the way through the year, you'll be 33 and a third. I got to get you and Sigrid out here. Complete the trifecta. I had Go Rightly here, and Nick stayed here, so be a good time. Did uh, Did Adam ever tell you about how we went to Salem and everything? He has pictures from it. I know that he went, but I didn't remember that he went with you. Yes, that's right, because you were in some of the pictures. That's right. Yeah, it was a weird experience. It was like we were idiots because we were we were like, well, you're in town. It was Halloween was like on a Sunday. They were there that weekend, and it was like Saturday, so it was the thirtieth. I'm like, what do you want to do? It was like, you know, just complete tourism moronicness that turned out to be like just weird and fun because it was like, well, let's go to Salem. <laughs> like, yeah, this is, it's like, how, it never crossed our minds. This was a terrible, terrible idea. Just like, <laughs> like trying to get into that city and park was a nightmare. Well, and like, it, was on, it was on Halloween, right? It was the day before Halloween, which is just as bad. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it, 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 it's just as bad. And it was like, it was akin to like, I can't even imagine what it would be like on Halloween. But, you know, it was akin to like going... Well, they're running the Boston Marathon today. Let's drive in and go watch the finish line. <laughs> it's like you're a nut, dude. That's this a terrible idea. But we just we thought we uh, I suggested it, so it shows what what I know. Well, and, I uh, think it's a great idea. What happened when you were it there? It was just this sea of humanity, and and <laughs> I don't know. Rightly seemed unsettled by it. And, I mean, it's, it's it turned into like sort of a walking parade. The, the streets were like shut off, and it was like. Literally, like, wall-to-wall people for, like, four or five blocks. And they're in costume, and it's yeah. just, it's like a weird acid trip. You know, you've got, like... Bad acid trip. Exactly, yeah. You've got people in, like, really well-done costumes. You've got, like, you know, you've got, like, really convincing drag queens and really unconvincing drag queens, which are both scary. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know... And, 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 oh, and then there was, like, a guy from the Fred Phelps church with his anti, anti-gay-like signs and stuff, <laughs> screaming, and, and, like, protesters against him screaming, and, oh, uh, just, yeah, like, everything under the sun. I and, like, love you this remember, country. Like, what like, a great country. Oh, uh, like, all these costumes, just costumes, costumes everywhere. It wasn't just, like, going to the mall on Halloween. It was, like, go, I mean, going to the mall. It was, like, yeah. going to the mall... But like on Christmas, and then everyone dresses in a crazy costume. And it's yeah. Like, so and so, you're not dressed or anything. Yeah. So you feel like an idiot, kind of. So mix Roswell with Mardi Gras on Halloween, and mix in witches, and you got that right. Exactly. Because Roswell is to, I mean, sorry, Salem is to witches as Roswell is to aliens, except yeah. for the fact that, which totally fascinated me. Yeah. Which totally fascinated me is that the the police cars in Salem have witches as their logo. I know I was saying it was like a parade almost of this just and you're in the street and stuff, and then in through this mass of people, 
is like a procession of police on horses all the time. There's always like police going by on horses and like meat eating horses. More than likely. <laughs> so you're like, I mean, I, I'm sure you've been around a horse. Just like when you're like right next to one, they're like terrifying and massive. Yeah, at any point they could like disembowel you with their with their meat eating teeth or their hooves or something. Exactly, dude. Yeah, they could kick you, and you're like, you're fucked. Yeah. So, it was it was just insane, but quite a lot of fun, quite a lot of fun. But just like I said, it was just like, what did we get ourselves into? Here? <laughs> like, why did we decide to do that? And I told you the other story about how the night before we went to the Celtics game, and we were, I'd never go into Boston. I'm like the worst host like that. So, I, like, I was completely lost. And we, like, got into the parking garage near the Boston Garden. No, we were in the car in front of the Boston Garden next to it or whatever. We, like, pulled, couldn't find it, rolled the window down. We're like, dude, where's the Boston Garden? And the guy, like, just turns over his shoulder and points at it. He's like, it's there. <laughs> and so we're like, oh, shit, we're, we're actually here, so we better park. So it was a good time. I can promise you exciting adventures like that if you come to visit. Oh, well, all right. Now that I'm working, and I don't know if they're going to give me any time off, but I'd love to do it. I'd like to go. I, mean, I don't even care about basketball. Not Don't even no, no, care no, at go. all about it. But I'd go to a Celtics game. Just say, So I went to a Knicks game when I was in New York. I had to say that I did it. You know? If you came here, and it was the right time of year, there's only one place to go. You go to Fenway. Yes, of course. It's a Red Sox game. No, no question about that. I would have to go to Fenway, and I would come during the baseball season. In fact, I would specifically time my visit so that I could go to a game at Fenway, even though we'd probably have to get tickets from scalpers or Craigslist or something. Yeah, we'd find them. We'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you do come, we should also, you should also check out the uh, Lauren Coleman's Museum. Very awesome. I haven't seen the new version yet. But oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Go Rightly cool. went there, too. It's it's up in Maine, though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, this, this, might be a, this might be a um, beginning of the fall, especially if they're going to the series or it's in the playoffs thing. Oh, well, then it'd be harder to get tickets. Yeah, then we'll never get tickets. No. <laughs> you need to come, like, in September. Where it's yeah, well, like... it's, it's a rebuilding year. I don't think that's, anything's going to happen this next year. No, I, I'm, I'm skeptical myself, but I'll, I'll find it interesting to watch. Yeah, and it, uh, when Paul was here, and Paul Kimball was here, I'd never been to a hockey game, so we went to a Kings game. Oh, wow. And I, I, I don't think I've ever been to a hockey game. No, and I, you know, I found it fascinating. I don't really care if I ever go to another game, but if Paul comes back and hockey's being played, we'll go again. Because I'm sitting next to somebody from Canada, for Christ's sake. They know how hockey's played from when they're in the womb. So... He was explaining everything that was going on to me, and that made it a lot more interesting. And we got we got crappy nosebleed seats, but the point is, in the crappy nosebleed seats, you can see everything that's going on all the time. Because you're like basically that's true over the top of the ice, you know. You know. Plus, nowadays, what I find off putting is they <laughs> they have like they have like the giant screen. Yeah, yeah. All, I like, mean, the cool, screen was blocking all the graphics out graphics and shit that you yeah. do at home in a sense. Yeah, the the screen was blocking out half of the. Uh, the sports arena, but or whatever it's called, it's the Staples Center. But um, the, the ice, you could see all of it. You know that the screen went. They've done it right. The screen went just down to the edge of the ice, where you could actually still see guys on the other side of the ice when you're on one side. So, worked out great. I'm sure everybody that's listening to this show to listen to paranormal and UFO stuff is going, "What the? What are they talking about?" Yeah, I was just gonna say. I think uh, <laughs> I was gonna ask how 
many listeners we have left. The cigarette in, the, cigarette in the background. Yes. <laughs> I think she's probably finding it a lot more interesting. We're talking about this stuff. She's reading her Kindle. No, it's a, nook. Oh, nice. a nook. A nook. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. If we're going to do product placement, we have to do it right. Yeah. Yeah, I got this program called DJ for the for the iPad, and it's it's wonderful. I can cue stuff. It's got it's got two little turntable graphics on it. You can scratch on it and stuff. It's hilarious. Uh, so you don't have anybody planned so far this year except me. When does the season officially start for uh, Been All of America season seven? Well, season six is still have to have to end. So, so oh. that'll end. Uh, I'm hoping and aiming to end the season six at the end of January, and then kick off Season 7 on... I'll just announce it now. Hopefully I can actually make this schedule work and not completely fuck it all up uh, and launch Season 7 on, on Leap Year Day on February 29th. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. So that's the, that's the like goal. It's really just a matter of sort of buckling down and locking in the season finale, I guess, at this point. Yeah. And it was so hard to do over the holidays because everyone's busy and shit. So yeah, you know it's hard to it's hard to do that sort of thing. Yeah, nobody wants to do change any plans or do anything over the holidays. I mean, I I lost track of everybody over the last couple of weeks, partially because we went down and um, we were house sitting at a very nice house in uh, northern San Diego County for a couple of weeks uh, that our friends live at and. Um, Oh, you know one it's out in the country, countryside and it's right over the hill from the um um Camp Pendleton Marine Base where very strange things have been seen flying there by numerous people on the major interstate. Um I didn't Weird. see anything out there flying. However, one night I was like at 2 in the morning, I was sitting in the hot tub, and I heard this like horrible animal blood-curdling cry. From, like, I don't know where it was. They, they live on, like, two or three acres of land, and it's a cactus farm. But, like, somewhere out in the dark, I hear this. Kah! I was like, what the f- What was that? Was it an unidentified sound? An unidentified flying sound? Well, it wasn't flying, but it was out in the darkness somewhere. And the dog comes around. The dog's coming around and barking their heads off. And then they calm down and go back in. And I go, well, whatever it is, I guess it's gone. And I'm still sitting there in the hot tub with all the lights off, except for the ones from the house, just, you know, before I go to bed. And I'm kind of, I'm relaxing again. And suddenly I hear this huge, like, boom. Like, not like a rumbling boom, like an explosion, because there is a... Oh, like a jet taking off. Not even a jet. And it was not from the direction of the the, uh, ammunition, I mean, the uh, military exercise place where they actually do have live ammunition going. And this was Christmas Eve. Or the, no, it was Christmas Day Eve. It was the day of Christ, the evening after Christmas. It's like there's nobody out there bombing anything right now. Besides, Weird. when they do, there's there's like you know thirty or forty of them, and it was completely from a different direction. There was no flash from it, like you see from the bombs there, but it was just kind of like a room, and then that animal thing went again. And I said, "That's it." I actually audibly said out loud, "That's it." And I got out of the hot tub and went in the house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Weird, dude. It sounded like one of those like Whitley Strieber stories about the screaming thing coming down the street in the middle of the night or whatever. It was just, it just really unnerved. And the funny thing was, when the second time the animal made that noise, the dogs ignored it. Strange. Maybe they went to. Maybe they saw what originated from it. They don't. 
It's just raccoons having sex or something. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. You, you might be right. It was just a very strange confluence of noises at the at one time. And it was been perfectly silent for the rest of the night. Then suddenly this, like, whoomp. And it wasn't like a gunshot because that's like a crack. And it that's wasn't a raccoon mating cry. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, it <laughs> it, 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 it it shakes the ground and, and may, sounds like the sky is exploding. Yeah, okay, yeah. That must be really good raccoon sex. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's San Diego. What do you expect? <laughs> I did think this, though. I'll, I'll say something provocative here. Maybe this will, will, will generate something. Um, I, for some reason, I was thinking about the show tonight, when I, you know, over the course of the day, and just thinking about sort of this 2012 thing and where I see things headed and UFOs and disclosure and everything else. And I feel like the only way the government will officially reveal the truth about UFOs is after World War Three. That's my sort of uh, weird thought. I wouldn't even call it a, a prediction or a theory or anything. Just a thought. And that's just like... That is know, like the, totally inspired left field thinking, and I really like it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, you know, it's probably from a lot of lack of sleep and just, just thinking about this stuff, but that's sort of my idea lately. Oh, I've got to start working on my lack of sleep. I mean, I'm not, doing, I'm not, I'm not working on it well enough to get the, these <laughs> kind of... These kind of out-of-the-box thinking ideas that we need in this field. Oh, thank you. I'm sure someone else has said it before, but... I haven't heard it before. That's a good one. I just think that, you know, they're kind of... The government's probably sitting on some advanced technology, maybe from aliens. Other countries probably have that kind of shit. And we're going to need, like, some global reset to really, uh, you know, open the door for that possibility. You'd hope given how advanced the weaponry, you know, is at this point, that, that wasn't like World War One or Two sort of thought to be like the war that will end all wars. Yeah. I think that World War Three will be the war that ends all wars. Cause it like, probably ends most of the world, too, but, yeah, that's not right, an original Right, exactly. Thought. And at that point, it's like they're going to be people, the people that are left are going to need, you know, either the aliens are going to intervene or then the government will be like, hey, you know how we won that war? We have UFOs. They come from aliens. <laughs> You know, it's like we've been sitting on them all this time so that we could win this war that we just won. And now there's world peace because there's no China and Russia anymore. You know, yeah. so that, I feel like that's that's sort of, how, you know, how it could possibly go down. For those folks cheering for your federal government disclosure, that's my, you know, hold out hope for World War Three. And, it, and it's kind of a nice bookend because World War Two, the end of that, kicked right. off the UFO right, phenomenon. Right. And World War Three will end the UFO phenomenon mystery in a sense. It would It'll it, be like, yeah, it would be perfect. It's perfect symmetry. Yeah. So that's my theory or thought. I didn't want to say theory, but that's <laughs> that's sort of what, what I don't know how that popped into my head or anything. It was just sort of like I was sort of extrapolating past the 2012 thing, and I'm like, you know, I feel like. I feel like all this hype about 2012 is going to lead to some out-of-left-field thing, like how 9-11 came about from Y2K. You know, like, it didn't actually come from Y2K, but, you know, chronologi chronologically it did. And I'm afraid that that's going to happen here with, with 2012. It's going to lead to some massive bad event that's going to lead to a whole sea change in, in the world, and then that's when the UFO disclosure will happen, after that happens. Yeah, well, then there's that idea, that, and this has been, I think that's, uh, we've mentioned that on this show, and I've heard it other places. If that's announced, that's exactly what a lot of people want to hear. Does, and that, to me, 
automatically makes it suspect. Unless there's some kind of other confirming evidence somehow. Right, right, right. Well, they can't really, like, say, oh, it's like you can't say UFOs are real and there's aliens without having an alien with you. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like, it, it, it's almost like people, frighteningly enough, like, even if the government announced it, like, a lot of people would be like, well, where the fuck are the aliens then? You know? And I don't necessarily, there's this whole school of thought that's like, uh, first the government's going to disclose ancient aliens. And then they'll disclose regular aliens. Like, they we, they need to prep us by revealing ancient aliens. But I just don't think that... No, I think that the no, ancient no, aliens no, no, part no. will fill itself in after the fact. Yeah. Uh, because, that's, I think that might be a, a, a kind of a separate issue. What or, do you mean? Well, that it's... You know, why would you have to prepare somebody by saying, oh, they were here before? I mean, you... you you, I guess you're gonna go you know the they're out there, the... but they're not a threat to us. Yeah, and also the the wackiness associated with that. I mean, from Von Daniken down to George Tuskalagublagos or on, you know. I don't watch that show, Ancient Aliens. I, I haven't. Like... I've watched a half of one episode, and I went ah, and I shut it off. Not because it pissed me off, but because I was <laughs> back to the valet thing. I wasn't learning anything. At right, least I didn't think right. I was learning anything of value to me that answers any of my questions. It's kind of like it's if I was to watch it or a UFO person that watches it that knows what's going on and's been in the you know been reading the literature for a while. It's it's basically jacking off. It's just it's porno. So right, right. you know, f- find something that's going to push push your ideas forward. It, it, that doesn't do it for me. I guess it does it for other people, but certainly Absolutely. not for me. And I you know I don't know if, you know is that. Is that George's fault or the producer's fault? Or, yeah, probably it is. But it's also, you know, I'm on the receiving end of it, so I can take it or leave it, and I choose to leave it. Well, I mean, and I've heard the argument from, like, Phil Burns when I talked to him, uh, you know, that, that, that the whole point of, like, UFO hunters, and I'm sure uh, Sukulos would say the same thing, that, like, the whole point of the Ancient Alien show is that it, it's to bring more people under the tent, I guess you could say, and, and to educate those people, and it's not for UFO people. But what I, where I fundamentally disagree with that point of view, and this goes, I guess you could say, to what I would like to do eventually with BOA in, in the video realm, mm-hmm. is that you can satisfy both of those audiences. Yeah. And no one's trying to do that. Like, no one's... You know, maybe that's the fault of the network or the producers or the people who give you the money to make the show or whatever, but, like, no one is trying to satisfy both of those audiences, and it absolutely can be done. It yeah. absolutely can be done, mm-hmm. but no one's doing it. Oh, it definitely can be done. I know it can. That's part of the reason I'm working on what I'm working on now, trying to get finished as a writing project. And you, you, know, you, and, 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 and you or whoever else can use it. As long as I can work on the show, as 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 that kind of a thing, where you know, it sure it'll interest the people that are into it, that are that are that want some kind of solution instead of just like I said, mental masturbation. If you want exactly. some kind of solution, start thinking in different ways. Start entertaining ideas, even though you don't agree with them or believe them, or you know, because there might be part of the puzzle, not the whole puzzle, because there's no one piece that's the puzzle. I don't think there's too much weirdness associated with it. Right, right. And plus, this is probably where, like, I will run into the biggest, like, problems if I ever try and develop anything. It's just that, like, I don't ever want to, like, there's, like, the, the, the unfortunate part about paranormal TV nowadays is that, like, it's, it's in a sense, not paranormal TV. It's either ghost TV or UFO TV or Bigfoot TV. 
Yeah. And never the twain shall meet. And it's like, we're the, we're, you know, aside the, the great shows, you know, the classic shows, like Sightings and Unsolved Mysteries and um, In Search Of, yeah. you know, they sampled from all of the, of, of the buffet. Yeah. And I think that that's what we're missing, too. It's or, too specialized. Yeah. Or what if, you know, you walk up to producer, and hopefully it's you do the producing, because then you don't have to worry about this. So I guess you have to worry about selling it. But, you know, what about that case that, you know, I'd love to go out to talk to Stan Gordon about the Bigfoot UFO case in the late 70s in Pennsylvania, where they, there was two Bigfoot scene. This guy witnessed it. He tried to shoot at them. I think he was there with a friend or something. And the UFO oh, investigators yeah. got out there, like, within an hour of it happening they saw some lights smelled something weird saw some glowing things in the woods and then you know so that was the ufo thing and there's bigfoots with it and then the guy went psycho yeah and started attacking him and said the world was going to end and all this and then you know and it wasn't it wasn't this thing where you know oh it's a hoax the guy's just trying to draw attention to himself the guy's life was ruined he started acting weird he lost his friends i think he was you know his, his wife left him or whatever because the thing just completely whacked him out yeah and so you've got you know and you know and i, I believe there might have been paranormal stuff associated with it. find a case that's just totally insane like that where everything's going on poltergeist ufo bigfoot all going out at the same time you tell that to a producer like no 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 that's totally insane that's you, we can't do that of course you can do that what do you think people want to hear that's fascinating Right, right. You know, it, and there's it, other cases like that. You just have to dig a little bit. We both know about them. So that's my, yeah. I hope that uh, that can happen. And uh, you, you'd hope that with the more paranormal TV becomes popular, that people would kind of see that. You don't need to be so specialized. Yeah. But that's something we've been preaching about, you and I, like, in our conversations over the years for, for years. Yeah, and I've doing that. I've, uh, Nick does that. Paul does that. Mac used to do that. I'm trying to think of somebody else that's just not specifically 100. Micah Hanks does that. Marie Jones yeah. is a classic example. She's, you know, she covers all the different stuff. It's right. like you got to look at all the different stuff, man. You have to look at all the different stuff. I mean, even and, um oh what's uh, uh the woman that that used to that worked on that book with Phil and Brogno. Oh, uh Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Yes. She she's another like, example got, that I, <laughs> I and I, I say, you know, and, and I should point out, though, you, like, you have to look at all the different stuff, but that doesn't mean, I guess that's my advice to people, but that doesn't mean that, like, we, that we should hate on Stan Friedman. For no, being not the at UFO all. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, because they, they constitute the stuff. Yeah. Like, like they, they bring the stuff. No, and, we're, and, we're not putting, it, uh, uh, Chris O'Brien, too, is another one. But I, yeah, no, you don't say these people are full of crap, you know, these people are wrong. That's another baby with the bathwater thing that is is completely right. wrong. Right. It's like, well, he won't look at Bigfoot, so he doesn't. He's not doing a good job. It's like, no, dude, it's, it's your job to look at Bigfoot. It's like right. you don't can't you can't tell someone else what to look at. Appreciate what they do look at, and, and incorporate that into your vision. Yeah, exactly. And people are so specialized. It's I don't know what what the deal is for, for this. I guess that. Our society kind of, the world, at least the Western world, shoves people into categories, and you have to stay within that category. And I think that that causes problems. I mean, the fascinating thing is when people can 
cross-pollinate things. I, uh, Sigrid uh, bought a book. My wife bought a book for one of her friends of ours called, what was it, 100 Objects That Changed the World or something like that? Or How weird. What it is is just, you know, everything from... Like a TV? The TV's in there, but it goes like from Neolithic, Paleolithic artwork... And uh, uh, it goes back to like the first tool, like a piece of rock from the savannas of Africa that Lewis Leakey picked up that was a tool all the way up to um, all the way up to a TV or a telephone or whatever. But these yeah. these things that, that and, you know, the guy doesn't doesn't just say, well, this is a tool they use. No, he goes into what's the psychology of the tool? What did it t- take to create it? Why is this a creative act when it turned into artwork? Why were people doing artwork? Um, what does this represent? What does it tell us about the culture? What is it? You know, what was the context of what it was done in? What kind of people were these? What does this object reveal about them? All that stuff. He didn't just say, look at it from an anthropological standpoint or an artistic standpoint or a historical standpoint or philosophical. All these things. And that makes the book much more fascinating. You get a lot more out of it. And I think that's what the UFO thing has to do and the ghost thing has to do is that, you know, connected in context. If you can, or, you know, with the people. I'm preaching now. It, uh, Tim's my guest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm enjoying this. No, it sounds interesting. It sounds like that book, like, How Does It Work? I love those books. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I have no idea how a VCR works, but you can actually, like, read those books and see how it does work. Or, or that meme thing, How Do Magnets Work? Nobody knows how magnets work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, how does a magnet work? I know how I know how a VCR works because I've been working in v- video. But <laughs> magnet, damn it! If we knew how magnets work, this whole UFO thing would just not make it. It would be completely solved. <laughs> Do you think I would you put money on anything being solved like first? It seems like kind of the thing that would come out of nowhere. Like the Osama bin Laden capture, kill, or whatever. Yeah. I was liking a lot of things to that whole thing. Because no one, you know, on the day before that happened, like no one, you could probably survey 100 people and like, Yeah, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, no one would have said they'll get Osama bin Laden. And yeah. It's like, well, how I, that's how I always try to caution UFO. Yeah, except, except 10 people in the military and government, you know. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's like, you know, for people that are like, is it going to, you know, what? Are we going to, we'll, we won't, we'll never see what's going to come, you know, ahead of time. Yeah. We just won't know that. So it's a whole, the whole idea of like people who predict disclosure or again, the world ending and stuff, like you said, we'd see it coming. There's no, you know, the world's just not going to, I don't, I think a polar shift would probably, I don't believe they actually just happen like instantaneously. No, no. I, I, <laughs> I just read an article on that. The, the polls are creeping. Along the ground, it's something like 14 kilometers per year in the southern hemisphere and 60 in the northern. Um, but it's you know up to the point where it's going to be thousands of years before you know at that speed, it's going to be thousands of years before it actually happens, unless suddenly it speeds up for no you know incredibly speeds up for no explainable reason. But yeah, like the old idea, like a planet comes by and twists the gravity and shit. And it's like at that point, like I, I worked with a guy. Who's like who was in the twenty who who saw twenty twelve special? He's not in the paranormal or anything, and he's like, "What do you think is going to happen in twenty twelve? And I sort of gave him an idea of the different theories and shit. And he was like, "You know, well, what if like this thing comes by and like shifts the poles and the whole you know based on the movie or whatever?" And then I was like, "Well, then you're fucked 
So why are you bothering <laughs> yeah. to even care about it? Yeah. You know, like there's no. I want an answer from you. You know about this weird stuff. Right. He probably walked away <laughs> from it, like, even more more disgruntled and confused and frightened than he was before. But it was like, dude, you know, if the, if the poles are going to shift or an asteroid is going to hit the Earth that we have no idea about or anything, like, on December 21st, 2012, then who cares? Like, it's over. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And you're, and you're an idiot if you try to, like, if you, you're you just insane if you, if you tail your life around that happening. Yeah. You know, you deserve what happens to you then. What like, was your yeah. bankruptcy or whatever? What was your question? What 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 do I and I'm going to turn it around to you too? What do I think is going to break open or be like move forward first in a totally unexpected way for most people? Is that what the question was? Yeah, well, it's kind of just spitball in a sense, where it's just like something in parapsychology. Well, I think like um, ESP or or, or um, mind over matter or something like that. I think that is what will break first. I don't know if it'll pull everything else along, but that will, I think, because it's so connected to people and so, and actually more reproducible than the other things, that that, I think that's what's going to be sort of accepted first. What about you? Like a remote viewing sort of non-locality yeah, yeah. breakthrough? Yeah. I think that's to be the most acceptable to the most amount of people, especially if they can, because, you know, if you, you talk to any of these people, you realize, yes, it is reproducible. Just not horribly reliably, or as much as you know, like doing a chemistry experiment. You just have to right, accept. Right. You have to accept that. But it's you know, if you look at the 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 data and the literature, you're like, of course it's reproducible. How could you not say it was unless you've got a some kind of mental block about it? So that's what I think will happen first, and that that and will think, get into yeah. the mainstream first. And the part I think that troubles the mainstream too is uh, mainstream science, mainstream media, and shit is like. It's one thing to say something's real. It's another thing. It's another thing to say like where it comes from or how it works. And yeah, like, so- yeah, that that's a problem too. I think that will come first too. That the the, the 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 connecting principle for that will come first too because it's so connected to us. So it'll be a lot easier to to, to deal with and explain. And people will care more, you know. Right, right. I think that's a possibility through like. I mean, I don't really follow it as closely as I probably should, but I think like down like this whole CERN thing. Is maybe an, an S towards the means, or how are you saying? Right, right. You know, a means to an end, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's right. A means to an end on, on like getting to figuring out the. So again, like I said, the paranormal atoms, sort of getting to the idea of what is driving this whole thing. Yeah, like that may lead to it. But like I had, on, and he said, you know, even if what's that? You 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 cut off slightly because of the sky. Oh. but go ahead. Well, I had Stan on. Uh, the show, and somebody, uh, Joyce, my friend Joyce, asked him about, uh, you know, if they find the Higgs boson thing. He's like, it's not going to change our lives, like, immediately. But I think eventually, just like how, you know, a lot of stuff depends on the theory of relativity or whatever, eventually it'll it'll lead to us understanding more about the paranormal. Yeah. And in turn, probably, like what you said, more the human element first. And then from there, we'll learn more about then the then the, the you know the theory will become unified by with yeah. all these other things. We'll be like, well, wait a minute. Now let's apply this to ghosts. Let's apply this to UFOs. Right, right. Let's apply it to Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's the gateway drug. Hey, hey, uh, Tim. Exactly. We, we got a couple minutes left, and the next show is in your top ten all time top ten. Yeah. Um. So, I will. Thanks so much. Is there anything else you wanted to say, or you want to like? Uh, 
give some kind of a address. Well, we already did that. Um, yeah. What, you want to, like, uh, raise a peace sign or a middle finger or whatever you want to do? No, just check out Banal of America, <laughs> B-I-N-A-L-L-O-F-America.com. And uh, it's going to be an exciting 2012, folks. Stay tuned. Yeah, uh, Tim's going to be pulling me along with his with his uh, cool shows. Thanks so much for being on with me, Tim, and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you in a few days. In fact, I'll probably talk to you before then. Absolutely. I had a total blast, my friend. Thank you so much. And Happy New Year, everybody out there. All right. Happy New Year, Tim. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon, dude. See Bye-bye, ya. buddy. Bye. All right. Tim Banal from Banal of America. Um, it's Radio Mysterioso. We'll be back next week, and I don't even know who we're going to have on. Did I have somebody scheduled? Mr. Fab's coming back for Weird Music pretty soon. Um, 29th, we have Adam Go Rightly, who's going to be in town. That's the last Friday, uh, Sunday of the month. But uh, meanwhile, uh, on one of my upcoming music shows, I've been downloading music like a fiend. So um, here's something I found recently by the Moonbillies, who did that um, wonderful robot song. Or what was it called? The Electronic Brain Song by the Moonbillies. This must be the flip side. It's called The Fall of the Planet Earth, and we'll lead into um, all-time top ten with that. And uh, thanks for listening, and see you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, the following is a recording received at our London Observatory from somewhere in outer space. Presenting the Moon Billies. It was sad, so sad. It was bad, so bad. The fall of the great planet Earth. Now come all you space creatures and listen to our song. A story of the mighty Earth and what they did so wrong. They hung there in outer space. They were our closest friend. Until they built their atom bomb, then it was their end. It was sad, so sad, it was bad, so bad, the fall of the great planet Earth. We watched them in our telescopes, they had such funny ways. They drove around in gas machines on things they call freeways. Their women, they were pretty, their men were brave and true. But they wouldn't trust each other, and now their world is through. It was sad, so sad, it was bad, so bad, the fall of a great planet We tried so hard to warn them, but heed they would not take. We sent our spaceships down to them, but they were called a fake. Oh, how sad their ending, their doom we could not stop. They built their bombs and rockets, and then they blew their top. It was sad, so sad, it was bad, so bad, the fall of that great planet Earth. Oh, if there is another world a listening to this song, please take our advice to you and stop the ways of wrong. Build your world on trust and love and not on fear and hate. And take a lesson from the earth and do not share their fate. It was sad, so sad, it was bad, so bad, the fall of the great planet Earth.